Welcome to Don't Box Me In, the show that features conversations with people from all walks of life, talking about their extraordinary experiences and inspirational messages. Now, here's your host, Lana Reed. Well, hello, hello, hello. Like they said, I'm Lana Reed, and once again, welcome back to another week's edition of Don't Box Me In. My guest today, Lucas Corvada, is best known for his honest and quick-witted humor and is a working stand-up comedian and actor. He is the resident comedian for numerous comic cons within the Southwest. Uh, Lucas is also a suicide awareness, anti-bully, and equal rights advocate. Lewis is passionate about bringing awareness to individuals, whether they are young or old, gay or straight. Now, um, some of the subject matter we will talk about today, I just want to give a few statistics um, for the audience. Gay teens are 8.4 times more likely to report having attempted suicide and 5.9 times more likely to report high levels of depression compared with peers from families that reported no or low levels of family rejection. Studies also indicate that between 25 and 50 percent of homeless youth are LGBT and on the streets because of their sexual orientation or gender identity. I want to thank Lucas in advance for making time not only to talk to me about about his life, but the vital work that he does do in the LGBT community. Lucas, welcome to Don't Box Me In today. Thank you, Lana. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it. I appreciate you so much. So you are talking to me from New Mexico, is that right? No, actually, I'm in Palm Springs at the moment. Oh, lovely, lovely Palm Springs. But is New Mexico Mexico where you're from? Were you born there? Yeah, New Mexico is where I'm from. I was born there, born and raised north of Santa Fe on a little farm. And, uh, yeah, that's where I got my my start as a stand-up comic, I guess you can say, entertaining my my family and my grandmother and my parents. Um, there's always a joke to be had. So, uh, ah, yeah, got, growing got up on a farm, stuff. that must be something. So you do all the milking of the cows and chasing chickens and all that stuff? <laughs> I have <laughs> more chickens than I want to admit, darling. <laughs> Way more. <laughs> cool stuff. Fact, cool stuff. I have, uh, my parents have, you know, their farm is downsized now. Uh, you know, times have changed and whatever, <laughs> but it's downsized and I have two roosters. They're free range, and uh, and one of them is called Joan. The other one is called Rivers. <laughs> oh, awesome, awesome! That's too cute. I can just yeah, imagine but... Luke is running around chasing chickens. <laughs> yeah, I don't wear heels on the farm. I'll tell you that much. Oh, <laughs> uh-huh. that's funny. That's funny. So, growing up in um, New Mexico, um, you mentioned that at a, at a young age you were uh, teased for being overweight and having acne. Now, I was looking at some pictures of you on your website and, and perusing around. That's a very different look from you today. So, um, when when did all this teasing and stuff begin? You know, uh, it's a totally different look. I just pulled up a photo on, um, on actually MySpace. I can't believe I still have a MySpace account. But <laughs> I pulled it up, and it was a photo of me uh, when I was about 14 years old, and I, I was too big to even come down the slide. You know, I had uh, to uh, push myself down the slide. I, I weighed 175, and today I weigh 113. Um, I'm 34 years old now, but, um, you know, it, it all started... I had the qualities, of course. I was born gay. I was born um, born this way. But um, it, it started when I was at, at a very young age being teased and bullied by my cousins who were actually um, heterosexual. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it came from from, uh, from family members. And then, of course, into school. Um, I remember being an, a beat-up, I think, in, in fifth grade. And this it happened once that... that situation in a bathroom and, and they asked if I was gay. I didn't even know what gay was. Mm. And um, uh, I didn't know what uh, a fag was. I didn't know what, you know, I didn't know those terminologies. Yeah. It never been in my, uh, used in my family. Um, and so I didn't, I didn't know. I didn't even know how to respond. And, and uh, a group of guys, um, uh, you know, beat me up in, in, in the bathroom. Um, you know, and so I, I knew that comedy was my 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 outlet and I could I could if I couldn't join them and beat yeah. myself up at least I could make them laugh you know and and it deterred a lot it was my my saving grace to be honest um, uh-huh. and and it has been my saving grace throughout throughout life and that's oh. why I'm passionate about uh, making people laugh you know bringing this whatever situation you have it is always better dealt with when you're laughing. Um, oh, yes. 
I was nine years ago, I was sitting, I, I hadn't come out to my family. They're all, they're conservative Christians. And, and I got to say that my parents are amazing. They're so great and supportive of, of my, um, of my lifestyle, my, my life choices and, and of me coming out of the closet, especially my mother. Mm-hmm. Because now she has more room for her shoes. Yeah. But, uh, so, uh, but I, I had, this was before I was a stand-up comedian. I was living in, or I was planning on moving to Vegas. I met a guy there and, and thought, well, this is a more accepting town for me and yes. I can be more authentic to who I am. And so I, I was dating a guy there and was going to go to college for, uh, fashion. I love being trendy and mm-hmm. he dumped me and I was in Vegas all alone, um, without my family support. I didn't know that they, that they, I didn't know how much they loved me because I never reached out. Okay. I never, I never, I was never the one. I kept everything inside and um, I kept that, that hurt and that, that questioning, uh, is my family going to support me and love me? I thought they were going to toss me out. Mm-hmm. And so um moved to Vegas and I was going to commit suicide. I, I remember being so lonely in a town of millions of people and, you know, coming and going and, and just, uh, just being lonely all alone. And mm. I had sold, uh, I've always been an entrepreneur and, and, and a go-getter. And, and I'm glad my parents instilled that in, in my life. And I had that, that upbringing of if you want to do something, you go for it, you do it and you do the best that you can. You know, yes. you, you don't, you don't settle for, um, uh, for half best. You, you shoot for the stars and, um, that's right. Anyway, so I was there and lonely and, and I remember, uh, well, I, and this is hard to say it to admit, but I, I, uh, paid a prostitute to hang out with me and mm. a, a male prostitute. Um, you know, we did our thing, mm-hmm. but, um, nothing really, uh, you know, we hung out. Really what mm-hmm. it was was just time to spend with somebody yes. and, and really, uh, have have someone to talk to, but I was so lonely, and, and I went downstairs. I, I I was staying at the Sahara Hotel when it was still um, open, and went downstairs to the bar, ordered a pina colada. It's I, I didn't drink. I you know I I didn't know what drinks really were at the time, and ordered a pina colada. It was weeks uh, of Rupert Holmes, the song pina colada song. Yeah, uh huh. The only thing I could remember, and. Uh, and I was going to order that, go upstairs and take my pills. I have, I have Xanax because um, I was diagnosed with PTSD. And okay. so I was going to go upstairs to the hotel room and just uh, commit suicide. End it. And mm. um, I haven't talked about this in a while, so if I get emotional, I'm sorry. But uh, a woman came up and she said, um, she was around my age. She said, what are you drinking? What are you having? It looks good. I said, a pina colada and... And uh, the waiter actually gave me a straw, uh, an extra straw for her to taste, and we engaged in conversation. She was from Oklahoma. Her name was Trish. So if she is ever out there, I don't uh, lost her phone number, but uh, I would love to reconnect with her. Anyway, we're sitting at, at the bar, and she says, you know, my, my boyfriend's such a rookie to Vegas that he lost $1,000 within 24 hours. Gambling, and I said, "Well, it's a good thing you didn't take him to a strip club. He would have lost his shirt <laughs> in his hands too." Yes, yes. <laughs> and she laughed. She laughed, and she said, "What are you doing? You know, who are you?" And, and then we really engaged in conversation because I made her laugh, and she had no idea uh, what that meant to me. You know, mm-hmm. and and that she invited me to hang out with her for the next couple of days while they were in town, and and we did. I I, I hung out with her at the pool. And uh, we went to dinner one night, um, or drinks actually, not dinner. But uh, that window of time, the fact that I made someone else laugh and engaged them in conversation saved my life. You know, mm. one, my own joke saved my own life. Uh, <laughs> yeah, that's amazing. I mean, you were at your lowest, lowest, and to give somebody else a laugh is what what turned everything around for you. I mean, that's just that's just so amazing. How um, I like to tell people that we're always in the right place at the right time, and that's just a true example of that for for Lucas. It was, and it that moment changed my life. That moment, 
changed my life because I knew that there was a purpose for, for me. There was a purpose, and it wasn't to um, it wasn't to end my life. It was to continue what I'm doing to make people laugh. Because if I can pull myself, if I could engage in, in conversation with someone, and, and even if it's not hard, serious topics, it's mm-hmm. just making someone laugh. Yes. Then, then I can. I have a place in life, and um, and it's a beautiful thing. It's a beautiful thing when you can engage in that and make the world feel better about themselves. Yes, I mean, laughter does so much, so much for, in so many ways, you know, the stress reliever. I mean, it's, it's just, it is a true gem in this world for that person that can make crowds laugh at themselves, at other important issues and make, you know, like I said, bring home certain things and, and, and shed light on certain things with laughter. I mean, it's just, it's just such a beautiful talent to be able to you make can the crowd do that. You can do that with, with, uh, by engaging and by making people laugh, you can bring up topics that normally wouldn't, you wouldn't be able to discuss. Uh, yes. I have, uh, I have, P- well, I don't claim to have PTSD, but I was diagnosed with it. And mm-hmm. I, um, you know, because once you claim your illness, then it's yours. That's right. But when you say, I don't, you know, I am above that and I can control that, um, that's something that, that, you know, and some people cannot, but for me, I know what, what, I know what kicks my anxiety. I know what does it for me. And, um, anyway, so it was brought on because when I, when I was younger, um, a, a neighborhood boy, uh, saw some weakness maybe and, and saw that I was effeminate and, and have, uh, gay attributes and, and feminine attributes, uh, and he, he molested me. He was, I think, 15 years old and, and touched mm-hmm. me inappropriately. As a, you know, I, I think I was about 9, 10 years old. Um, I only remember one one incident, the last incident. And I, I don't know if there were others. And if they are, if there were, I blocked them out. But um, I remember one incident. And and so that brought that brought on the, the, the PTSD. You know, and it is it is a real thing. Those are traumatic things that happen to people and the joke for me there is you know he should have at least invited me to dinner and a date you know before <laughs> taking advantage of me but that's how you get through life is through being able to say bad things happen to everyone i am not i am no different from you you are no different from me yes. uh, the only difference is how we deal with it and if i can shed light on issues that are real life issues that's why I don't have a problem talking about raunch on stage. You know, if I'm going to be raunchy on stage, it's going to relate to somebody in, in their life. And there is a meaning behind what I am saying on stage. It's not just um, not just a joke. It used to come from a place of hurt. Now mm-hmm. it comes from a place of healing in my life. And I am still going through that healing. And the more you talk about it, the more you heal. You know, the more you're able to help somebody else in yes. their weakest point. The more my heart gets healed. I love it. I love it. I love that. I love that. That is that is so awesome. You know, and that was that is one of the uh, main things that I enjoy about um, my guests in the show, and and the message here at Don't Box Me In is, you know, there's so many people around us, you know, that you're standing next to in line at the supermarket, you know, that you're. Um, on the bus with or whatever that are going through their personal battles and you know a lot of times when we're going through our struggles you know we think nobody has it worse than us nobody could you know understand where we're going through but unless we start talking to each other um, we don't understand that you know there's people struggling with things and they're getting through it and they're healing and they're becoming better people but you know a lot of times we want to hold on and internalize you know our pain our struggles and our trials but when we get it out there not only does it help us but it helps others and, and I mean I just think that's the beauty of your story and so many that I've shared on Don't Box Me. And uh, Lucas, we're going to take a quick commercial break. I'm looking at the time here. We're going to take a break. We'll come back and talk more with Lucas right after this. Welcome back to Don't Box Me In. Here's your host, Lana Reed. Welcome back. Welcome back to Don't Box Me In. Today I'm hanging out with Lucas Corvada. He is a uh, comedian. And before the break, we were talking about uh, his life growing up. And uh, Lucas, you had mentioned uh, that 
I think around the age of nine years old that you were molested. And then we were also talking about um, you had left home and were kind of, um, I think you said your, your family wasn't aware of the fact that you were gay. So I'm, I'm trying to figure out when did you yourself kind of start to realize that you were gay? When did you come to terms with it? Uh, well, I came to terms with it. No, and my family didn't. No, I hadn't come out to them. Um, although when I did subsequently come out to my mother, uh, she said to me, well, I always knew you were gay. I just didn't know if you knew you were. <laughs> that you had to figure out for yourself. Okay. And and that is, uh, that was, you know, that there's truth in that. It's something that I had to, to figure out for myself, for my identity, and um they were just not openly supportive of it, I guess you could say. And and now, totally different story. I got to perform for my, uh, I got to perform a show this year, and my mom was in the audience for the first time. Of course, oh, I wow. have, have a, it was amazing. It was the best show I've ever performed. I was the most nervous, but uh, <laughs> best show ever. And I've got jokes about her. You know, my grandpa, my grandpa used to, uh, my grandpa was confusing me for my sister, so I drew facial hair. Now he confuses uh. me for my mother. <laughs> you know, <laughs> and she she loves it. It's great. You know, it's it's great humor. But um, I I realized that I was gay. This uh, I had traveled to uh, been to Southeast Asia. Come back from from a trip. Like I said, I owned a couple couple businesses. I've always been entrepreneurial, and came back and met a guy, and <laughs> he had interest in me. He took interest in me, and we dated for about two three months. And, um, uh, you know, he, he invited me on a date, actually. He invited me on a date and things progressed. And, and I just, at that point, I knew I am, I, I'm gay and I feel comfortable in, in the skin that I'm in. It, okay. When I'm around, when I'm dating another man. And, mm-hmm. um, and that, that was it, you know, and, and I, I said, I have to be authentic to, mm-hmm. to who I am. And after that, I, I, um, that's when I moved to, um, or was planning to move to, to Las Vegas. I was there for about three, three months and, and, uh, and it wasn't a fit for me. You know, it wasn't, mm-hmm. that wasn't the fit, but that's, that's really what happened in my life is, uh, I got invited on a date and, and, uh, it's, Gone that's when I, uh, yeah, that's when I knew this is, that who you wasn't were. authentic for me. Who I yes, exactly who I was. And let me let me let me um, ask this: Was there ever in in your your evolution and your your growth process and and com- becoming comfortable with who Lucas was? Was there ever like an internal battle with you know Lucas? Maybe I really should try not to be gay, or you know maybe Lucas just forget it. This is who I am. Was there a period where you tried to be what society says you should be? Uh I can't really say in comedy. Yes, in comedy, <laughs> people are always tell me why. Why does your comedy have to be so uh, gay? Why does it have to be so adult humor? Why does it have to be, you know? And I realized I am not. Then obviously you're not my audience, and I'm not trying. Mm-hmm. To, I'm not trying to reach you with my humor. So don't come yes. pay to see a show. But yes. there are people out there that I am going to reach, and their hearts are going to be touched. I ha- so. Not really in my life, no. Um, okay. I've been asked, why do you wear, why do you wear heels in public? Because it makes me feel, I like it. Mm-hmm. You know, I like being six inches taller. <laughs> I like having my ass perk up. You know, oh, I look like at you. Clothes. I am mad at you. Same reason I wear them. <laughs> yeah, I love it. You know, there are things that I love about it. It makes me feel beautiful. And if I feel beautiful, then I want you to feel beautiful. Mm-hmm. And because otherwise, if I can't feel beautiful inside of my heart, then I can't give that to anyone else. I can't give love if I don't have it. Um, I did. I was performing a pride event in, um, I was performing a pride event. It was outside. It was a beautiful day. And of course, my humor is, is what it is. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's raunchy, but I got off stage and a woman came up to me and I am still friends with her. She came up to me and said, Lucas, while you were on stage for those 30 minutes, you were up there performing. I lived vicariously through you. I got to take take myself out of my life situation and just be able... And she apologized. She said, I'm sorry I was laughing at you. I said, no, no, that's the whole point, honey. That's yes. the point. You laugh at me. You laugh at the jokes. That's what they're there for. 
that she said I got to live outside of my world for that time that you were up there. Thank you so much. I came to find out that she is HIV positive. Her husband mm-hmm. was bisexual and gave her gave her HIV, gave her AIDS. Mm-hmm. And she said I I got to I got to forget about my life problems. And you mentioned earlier that sometimes we think our problems are bigger than somebody else's. Yes. And that's not the case always. Her problems, you know, her life, um, she lives a much harder life than I than I live. Mm-hmm. But I got to touch her heart. She got to live vicariously through me and enjoy some laughs. And what better position to be in in life than to spread joy and love and if somebody doesn't like my humor, don't come see me. Perform. Okay. It's not for you then. Find a comedian that will find someone, a comedian that will make you laugh for your type of humor. Um, but I have my place in life. Yes, and, right. Uh, you know, I, I'm not religious, but Jesus had his place in life. And mm-hmm. he was okay with Mary Magdalene. He was okay with people that weren't, um, that were the outcasts. Yes. And and I'm not saying that my people are, because we are definitely not outcasts. <laughs> yes. Gay people, gays and lesbians, the GLBT community are some of the most successful people in the world. I'm living in Palm I'm going to be moving to Palm Springs at the end of January, and they have created an environment, a beautiful city, a beautiful city. They have they have made it just look so elegant, and I mm-hmm. I am fortunate to live among people who know what what it's like to live, mm-hmm. you know, and travel and, and do these things. And, um, and they are role models. Most, you know, they're role models. I'm not saying that, you know, there's drugs and, and there's, um, there's things that happen in every, every le- level of society that there mm-hmm. are. But, um, you know, to live where people love you and accept you. That's what I want for, for my audience to know that they're okay. loved and accepted. Okay. Okay, so you mentioned uh, you were considering moving to Vegas, and and you just said you you've decided on Palm Springs. Um, what 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 has made your final decision to move to Palm Springs? What what is it so much that entices you about that city? Well, I've lived in Santa Fe uh, for a whole year. Prior to that, I lived in North Carolina, so I've done some traveling and and um, spent time in L.A., Vegas, mm-hmm. Phoenix. Um, Trying to get a feel of where where do I belong? Where okay. where place in life? Where do I want to call home? I will always have a home with my parents. I will always mm-hmm. have a home on their farm, and that will never change. But for me, if I want to continue doing my work, I want to do it at another level. And okay. feeling comfortable with where I where I live, I want that. I want to be fostered by an environment okay. that is supportive of who I am. Based, yeah, who I am as as. Uh, as a talent, as a comedian, but as an individual, first of all, I want to be supported by a town that I can walk down, and I did, I walked, I'm sitting in the park with, uh, wearing a pair of vintage shorts, uh, <laughs> old basketball vintage shorts, you know, not like they wear today, and it was nothing, nobody was, they're not yelling profanities uh... at me, you know, they're, they're, I, I can feel, I feel like I belong, and it's a place of belonging, and and I think that um, that's what the early pioneers of uh-huh. did is they they had a place of belonging, and that was during a time where they they didn't know what AIDS was or HIV, mm-hmm. and 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 their friends were were dying um, on their left and on their right. You know, it was that was a different time, and and I hope that I can continue the work okay okay now you mentioned that your mom you know she came to see your show and she you know she mentioned that she always knew that you were gay um but i'm wondering did your father receive it, the news well or has he embraced you or, or where are you and your father at now today <laughs> um my dad and i we really don't talk about things like that I, we're more okay. like hands-on when i'm on the farm i am i learned he taught me how to uh use a chainsaw this year uh, we're splitting wood. We're on the tractor. I, I learned how to uh, reverse a truck with the with the trailer on it. I mean, these are all farm things. That's the type of person I am when when I'm with my dad, and and I love it. I love being able to engage with him, and he is an amazing man. I didn't have the confidence to tell my dad that I was gay until 
last December. Okay. Until last December, and I had moved back from North Carolina, um, and uh, the relationship was rocky. It didn't go well in, in North Carolina, and, and I came back home, uh, and I thought, you know, every part of my life is going to be authentic. I'm not going to hide who I am, not to my dad, not to anyone. And so I needed, and that just happened a year ago. I, I told him, and, and he said he knew, and he said, it doesn't matter. I love you. You're my you're my son. Uh, and, oh. uh, you know, we really don't talk. We don't talk about about things, but we have our relationship, and, and it's uh-huh. a very strong relationship. I love being able to be my dad's son. Okay. So you're not out there on your six-inch shields on the tractor trailer, are you? <laughs> no, but you know, uh, that might, that might be coming just for a photo op. So just for a photo op, it. right? Just for a photo op, and I've got the equipment to do it, honey. I know how to chop wood. I know how to operate a backhoe now. I can do that. There you go. So. I can see it now with your little shorts and the six-inch heels. That is a perfect photo op there, right? <laughs> I will be where, I will be rocking those things. Hold on a second for me. We're going to take a quick commercial break. We'll be right back right after this. Let's return to Don't Box Me In with your host, Lana Reed. Welcome back. Welcome back to Don't Box Me In. Today I am hanging out with Lucas Corvada. He is a resident comedian for numerous comic cons within the Southwest. And uh, I was looking on your website there, lucascorvada.com, and your resume is like, wow, like overwhelmingly just full and abundant. And um, some of the things that you've done, I, I want to ask some questions about here. Um you did a stint as co-host and producer of a Duke City Comedy League. What was that all about? Yes. Oh, it was fun. This is when I I, I had first started uh, to do stand-up comedy. I think I was two years in. I've been doing it for six years now. And uh, some a group of comedians came together in the Albuquerque area, and they are they just foster that environment. And and it goes back to the same thing that I that I'm feeling here in Palm Springs. I felt that when I was in Albuquerque. Um, and they fostered that environment and all kind of were raised together as, as comedians and grew together. But uh, uh, a network, uh, one of the regional networks, a CW, My50, they approached the producer that, um, that we were working with on these live shows. They, they weren't taped and they weren't broadcast. But anyway, uh, so they approached him and said, hey, we, we want to do a... Uh, regional comedy show and we put it together it was it, it was a uh, duke city comedy league every saturday night <laughs> on my 50 tv <laughs> amazing it was amazing um i had so much fun and you know we we you get some recognition and and that's one of the best things is to be recognized for the work that you do and, and have somebody say i loved it i loved what you did lucas i, I saw you i was going through walmart um and this was on one of those, those, it was a Sunday morning, and I'm going mm-hmm. to visit my parents on their farm. And my mom said, hey, stop in at, at the store. And I stopped in. The only store they really have is Walmart, it, it, the closest city that they live in. So I um, stopped in, had no makeup on. I was not dressed. I looked terrible. I was dealing with a hangover because we had a great <laughs> uh, comedy show the night before, you know. And, and it's just, I I was not feeling my best, but... um my basket hit with somebody else's basket and she looked up and she said, Oh, I saw you, you were, you were on TV last night. And Cuteness. I said, yeah, you know, I'm Lucas, all that. And I she wanted a photo. She, we took a photo because you know, that's you're on TV. They want, they want. Yeah. A photo. And I saw the photo and I, I didn't tell her to delete it, but I felt like telling her to delete it. I didn't have <laughs> makeup on. I looked terrible. I thought from <laughs> now on, every time I leave the house, at my worst, I am going to uh, wear makeup so they don't know how bad I'm feeling inside. <laughs> so, um, that was the joke. It was it was great. Um, I loved working on it. I was associate producer, I believe. I did nine episodes and and co-host and uh, and cast a lot of the the comedians that were on there. Uh, since then, I've worked in other areas of film. I uh, just recently was uh, locations. 
uh, worked in locations on a film called Priceless about human trafficking. So I want to plug that. Mm-hmm. It's a great, it's going to be a great feature film. Uh, the footage and, and the director, Ben Smallbone, a uh, great man, uh, very passionate. And that's what I love about working in, in, in this business is you have to be passionate about what you do. Um, passion drives a person. They drive yes. a person to make the world better. And, and I love having that, that, uh, those types of people around me. And so any of your audience, uh, audience members, the listeners rather, um, be around people who are positive energy, who, um, who are motivating and inspiring. You be around those types of people. Uh, for me, I, as a comic, I, I watched the first time I saw a comedian was Joan Rivers. And mm-hmm. she was saying things that I was thinking, you know, and, and I thought, she's somebody. <laughs> I, uh, I can relate to her in some way of, of humor. And then I saw uh, Phyllis Diller. I started doing research on comedians and Phyllis Diller, a uh, big influence in my life because She's up there looking like a drag queen, you know. She's up there with the <laughs> yes. heels, her feathered boas. She's got the hair going on, and she's doing her thing, and she's making people laugh. She's entertaining. Well, she later on uh, had some interviews about a book called The Magic of Believing, and and I think that I, I know for, for fact, actually, that's, I put it out there. I believe that things are going to happen, and, and you put things out there to the universe. And they happen. Mm-hmm. They manifest. And, and you just walk in that path that that you know you're supposed to go. My mom gave me a plaque when I was very young. And um, and it's still in my bath. It's still in the bathroom. And, and it said, don't follow the path that others lead. Instead, make your own path. Yes. And... And that's what you, you've got to do. You know, make your own path. Find your way. Be unique to the universe. And just believe things are going to happen and follow That's it. Right. Just walk in that. That's right. And, and it, that is what Lucas is doing, huh? I have, you know, I have, and it's an amazing life from, from going to, from committing suicide, wanting to commit suicide to where I am now. Um, I am so blessed. Yes, and why indeed. I'm that? so blessed. I mean, I just, I'm, like I said, I was reading through the, the, the resume that you have, and it's just so full and so abundant. And I mean, I could go on and on um, about all of the things that you have accomplished. Uh, uh, you know, like the um, you're the celebrity ambassador for the Bathing Bad line. Now, what is that about? Uh, Bathing Bad was a product. It was a spin-off product from Breaking Bad, the TV series. And I worked okay. with a with a cosmetic company, um, a bath company. And they had other, they have other bath lines, other bath products. They've got a facial line. Um, any, anyhow, they, they created a, a product called Bathing Bad. And so I was a celebrity ambassador. I got to go around travel and, and uh-huh. put the product in front of celebrities. I, I got to meet friend Dresser from the nanny. Ha, <laughs> Yes, friend. Ah. Yes. <laughs> yes. Fans love her, her, her ex-husband, Peter Mark Jacobson, who came out of the closet. Great man. Awesome. Uh, awesome and so talented. Uh, put it in front of, uh, so many others. Vern Troyer, many me from Austin Towers, and, and made friends with all of these people who are, uh, fun, loving. They're out there doing their thing. So I've, yeah, I've, I did Bathing Bad. That was, um, I am no longer, and, and I, I no longer work with them, but I'm still friends. In fact, uh, there's a, I, I helped Bravo TV cast them in an episode of Untying the Knot. Um, okay. they are, a gay couple that, that owns the company and, and now they're going through a divorce. It's, things Aww. happen. It happens yeah. in the straight community. It's going to happen in the gay community. Yes. So uh, yes. they were cast in, in that and um, that will actually be airing December 28th on Bravo TV. So look for that. Okay, December 28th. Now you also did something that we kind of talked about earlier with your dad. I saw this kind of um, like a re- reality TV show, Blue Collar Couture. Blue Collar Couture. I was watching... Uh, I love it. I have so I had so much fun with that, and I was watching uh, Mike Rose, the Mike Rose TV show, Dirty Jobs, and I thought, you know, I could do that, and I could make that really funny. Yeah, make that really funny. Add my sense of humor, and and do those dirty jobs, do those jobs, and do it in finer fashion. Yeah, <laughs> so I I pitched it to the producers that that I worked with um, uh, for. 
Duke City Comedy League, and they're like, Lucas, we're totally on board. We love it. So we did a pilot mm-hmm. and, uh, at AAA Pumping. I love the ladies down there. I'm going to give them a shout-out because mm-hmm. they're wonderful. I, and a pump set the tanks, porta potties, grease traps. I did it in finer fashion, got dirty, and it was so much fun. I, I want to do more of those episodes. So, um, oh, wow. I support that, yeah. Too cute. <laughs> That's a nice little spin-off. Dirty jobs, but Lucas style, huh? Lucas style. It's not the way <laughs> Lucas wants to do it. You know, it was, just, <laughs> it was fun and so campy. Oh, I love it. I love it. I love it. And uh, another one of your things, I'm just throwing out all the wonderful things that Lucas does right now. But another thing, you also write for Pride and Equality, or you have written for Pride and Equality magazine. Now, let me first be clear. Is that just for the New Mexico market, or is that um, more than that? Uh, when I when I first wrote for them, it was um, it was a national publication. It went national. Uh, there were some changes in in the publication, and now it's just uh, I believe it's just published every June. Um, okay. I didn't write for them this year or, or last yeah this year 2015. I didn't write for them because um, of traveling and I had some conflicting stuff. I started I was working on a feature film, so I didn't get the opportunity to to write for them. But mm-hmm. I still have that, and and this year I plan on on doing that, and hopefully we can broaden it up to a bigger market. Uh, okay. You know, it's it's all about just making people feel inclusive and and loved. Mm-hmm. So I hope okay. that uh, that I can do that. Yeah. But now also, oh, now also besides being the stand up uh, comic, you also do some vital community work there, and you you speak to young people about suicide awareness and prevention. When did you fall into that? How did you come about that? I was asked to participate on a panel in northern New Mexico at a college, and they were, it was for Suicide Awareness Week. And so I was, it's just one of those things when you put something out there and you say, this is what I want to do, um, the universe opens up and it will give you exactly what you ask for. So I asked, I said, I want, I can't just, I can't just be a stand up comedian with just stand up, with just, Straight, you know, stand-up comedy. I have to do other things. I need to. I have a message. I have something. If it can help somebody else, so I put it out there. Uh, and and they contacted me. Uh, the, the school contacts the college contacted me, and I I loved it. I, I love the experience. I've done that a couple times, not as much as I want to. So this really is um, still new to me, rather new mm-hmm. to me. But um, it was an entire day of. of Suicide awareness and prevention, and of course we had a show after after the 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 day of serious talking and and um, and engaging. I got to perform a show, and it was a great show. It was it was great. So that's really when it happened, and that started two years ago. And that's when I said, you know, I want to just do more than um, than stand up because there's more behind my comedy than just laughs. There's real life issues okay yes you know and and speaking from your own perspective you know um you know with the bullying and the teasing and stuff and there's there's two sides to this there's the bully and then there's the person being bullied um if you had something to say to the individual who was actually the bully you know what kind of message would you send that that person uh well i can go two ways i feel like yeah. <laughs> Look at me now. That's right. <laughs> Look at me now. I I went from 175 to 113 pounds. I'm living the life that I want to live. I'm doing it authentically. I'm able to be successful in the in 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 what I'm doing and and in the area that I want to go. So, but really, what I want to say is, I want you to feel loved because mm-hmm. inside of a bully is someone who is hurting and reaching out and I hope that they can find love. I hope that they can find their path because that that's really what um, what a bully is feeling inside. Yeah, and that they, takes they a, that takes path. a that takes a lot of uh, a growth of and and speaks volumes about who you are now as a person because you know when somebody's inflicting pain on you um you have to be at a certain place mentally to say look this is a hurt person trying to hurt me and um 
you know, and, and wish them growth and evolution in their own path and their own journey. And I mean, that's just such a beautiful place that you've arrived at now. We're going to take the last commercial break of the day, Lucas, and come back and talk about where you, what you got on the pipe. So stay with me. We'll be right back after this. Welcome back to Don't Box Me In. Here's your host, Lana Reed. Hello, hello, hello. I have been hanging out with the comic Lucas Corvana today. And uh, Lucas, we've been talking about the amazing life that you've had and, and uh, where you're at now. Um, so you, you're, still, you're moving to Palm Springs and you're still growing there. But where if somebody wanted to catch you perform, um, you have some upcoming performances maybe? I have one, uh, let's see, December 26th in Albuquerque. I'll be performing at Sidewinders. It's a Saturday. Mm-hmm. And every every Monday um, they have a show. It's a very late show, 10, 10 p.m. at Sidewinders and Leo's Bar at 7 p.m. at Leo's Bar. Both all these locations are in Albuquerque, and since I'm moving, I won't be performing there um, as often. But I will have uh, one last show at least on on December 26th, and I will also be at Comic-Con in Albuquerque, January 8th through 10th, and mm-hmm. you can also hear me on a, on a radio show uh, January 13th, uh, Fulfilling Life's Yearning, so I will be on that as well. Okay. Um, and after that, I really haven't planned, I haven't, well, I've tried, I did not plan to book anything else just because I, I want the transition, the move to Palm Springs to go smoothly, and I don't want to have to worry about traveling and, and, um, and the gigs at, at this point, I want to have an easy transition to the area. So, um, just allowing myself that time. And okay. the more I do, the more I'm, the more I, I ponder about it. I want to do more, of, um, more talks like this. I love it, and okay. and it reaches. So, yeah. Okay. Okay. Now I'm going to be nosy. Now are you moving to Palm Springs? Is there a love interest there, or are you just moving to Palm Springs because it's just embracing who you are? No, there's no love interest here. <laughs> okay. uh, I mean. There, or should I say there are a lot of love interests? <laughs> okay. A lot, a lot, a lot. Um, no, I, uh, I am moving here because it, it's the environment is set up for a gay man to thrive. And I just don't want what I say to be gay, straight, you know, mm-hmm. LGBTQ, RSTV related. You know, I want, okay. it's not just for, it's not just for the gay person. It might be somebody that is, you know, wants is going through a situation in life because not just gays commit suicide. Not There are yeah. other people that have a hard, difficult time. And, and the woman that, that I mentioned that had um, HIV after the show, she was straight, a straight woman, mm-hmm. a complete straight woman, and she was she was touched. And so it was, it's not a gay or lesbian thing. Um, mm-hmm. I If I can reach somebody that's straight or questioning or whatever their situation, then that's, that's, even better for me. It broadens my um, my reach. But no, I, I'm moving here because the environment is set up for uh, an individual like myself to thrive and mm-hmm. and to be able to give back to a community um, and do it at a at a larger to a larger audience and be able to travel and, and actually um, thrive in a community uh, that isn't that understands me that understands me. So. Okay, understood. Now we we mentioned the um, the comedy shows that you have that you'll be performing at. Now, um, are there any other projects that you're working on now? We, I know we talked about the uh, blue collar couture, but are there any other pilots or TV shows or other things projects that you're working on? You know, honestly, not, I really don't have very much in that sense in 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 regard to to film work. I always have some projects on the back burner and they're simmering. Um, yeah, I really can't talk about all of them, but I do have um, a couple that are that are simmering, and and they will come to fruition when when um, when the timing is perfect. And so I'm not too worried about that. But uh, yeah, I've done did commercials. I've done some commercials, done some things, but um, nothing planned at the moment. Uh, my next the next thing I'm working on is having an easy transition. It's it's going to be hard. I've spent a lot of time with my family over the last year. And they have become an amazing support group, a support base for me, uh, foundation. So uh, that's that transition from my family um, and deciding this is where I want to call home because okay. I've been searching. I've lived in different places. Um, that's going to be a transition that, that I want 
be smooth. I want it to be a smooth transition. So oh, okay. Now, I listened yeah. to you talk, listening to you talk, and you, you've built a strong relationship with the family. How, how long have you been back in uh, New Mexico with your family? Uh, a year. I, you know, I have my own place. Um, mm-hmm. I have my own little condo, but uh, I did live with my parents for a couple months um, when I first moved back in December, and just amazing supporting, and, and that's all you can ask of, mm-hmm. of your parents, of your family, is that they support you. Even when we don't always agree on on issues or on decisions or, or things, um, mm-hmm. they will always we will always agree to love each other. And mm-hmm. we're in we're in this life together. I'm very fortunate to have them. Even my extended Christian family that you know they might ne- not necessarily agree with my lifestyle, but that doesn't mean that I can't call them up today and say, Hey, I need some help. Mm-hmm. I need. I just need your love and support, and they are able to give that to me. Um, and I accept them the way they are, I, I, and they accept me the way I am. And, and we've agreed to disagree, but um, but I still love them, and that's it. <laughs> I still love them. Now, we haven't discussed this. Is it just you, or do you have brothers and sisters? I have two sisters. Uh, so as I like to say, my dad actually has two and a half daughters. Um, <laughs> and they are they're amazing because they'll buy me clothes. They know my size. They know my style. Uh, they are great. My nephews and nieces, I've got two nephews, two nieces. They are amazing. They are supportive. And I couldn't ask for a more supportive and loving family. My nephews and nieces know that I'm, I'm gay. And, and they love it. They, they, they love their unky. You know, they don't yeah. call their aunt, but their uncle, so they call me unky. Uh, oh, <laughs> You. Now, yeah. growing up, I don't know if your sisters are older or younger, but growing up, did your do your sisters say they they knew, or they were always aware? Uh, my sisters are, are younger, and <laughs> and they didn't they 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 were like my mother, I guess, in, in that regard that they knew I was gay. They just didn't know if I knew, and they never approached me with it. But um, I remember getting into an argument with my sister, and I, and I bring this up because it shows the evolution of my family and mm-hmm. where we where we have come, and it, it can happen to me and my family, then it can it certainly happen to other families. And, and, and so, um, and to give hope out there. You know, I was living, um, living by, by myself but, um, when this happened. But anyway, my sister, we got into an argument, and she came, came to me and said, well, I know what you did, and I know that you're, and she was going to say the word gay. And I said, say it. Mm-hmm. Say it. And she said that you're gay, and I, I'll tell mom. And I said, you know, and that's when I decided I needed to tell my mom. I said, you know, if you tell her, it would make my job a lot easier. Mm-hmm. And she had no idea what I had gone through in, in Vegas. She, she had no no idea the stress of um, uh, of coming out and, and the anxiety of it. But um, she said that to me. I said, tell her. It makes my job easier. Well, that's when I decided that it was time for me to tell my mom. And after that, it was it was just love and embrace from my mother. I did have to get her drunk. It was the first time she had gotten drunk in years. <laughs> I bought a case of wine. I remember I bought a case of wine. It was Plum Loco. Uh, uh. And we're sitting in the porch, and, and the porch lights are on at their at their little farm. And and uh, and I didn't I didn't have the guts to tell my mom under the porch light or to tell her soberly. So we we had wine, and I said. Mom, you and I have got to drink because we've got some talking to do. Well, I, I remember taking her out into the stars um, because they've got beautiful stars. You can mm-hmm. see them. They've, they've got no light when it's dark. And I took her out. I couldn't look her in the face because I thought she was going to start crying. And and, uh, and um, I didn't want to see the look on her face. So I took her out. Um, and and I said, I'm gay. And it, she said, I knew. It was the amazing, you know, her follow-up was, what do you need me to do with this information? Do I need to tell anyone? Do I need mm. to, what do I need to do with the information you just gave me was her response. Mm-hmm. And I said, you don't have to do a thing. You don't have to do anything except love me. And she said, I will always love you. You are my son. I will always love you. Mm-hmm. Beautiful. So, um, that, that was my coming out. And since then, my sister is, uh, my family, they try, they give me jokes. They're, they're amazing. You know, uh, and I know that not every family has that. Not every family has that uh, 
but give give them time. Love them, you know. If you need to move away, get mm-hmm. support. Find support in other places. There are there are so there are other support groups. There are support groups that you can find. There's yeah. HRC. There's Glad. There are a lot of support groups. Uh, Gay Straight Alliance. Um, there are groups in schools and colleges. Attach yourself to them. Be around people that are going to love you and support you the way you are. Live authentically. Mm-hmm. Very, very important. Your constant theme that you said today, you know, just just to find some love, to get some love, to embrace some love. I mean, people thrive. It's like flowers. You blossom and grow when you surround yourself with love. Um, before I go, I want to ask a question because you mentioned your mom. Um, has any other family member came to see your show? Uh, I've had some distant cousins, but uh, oh, okay. But like, but like I told, oh yeah, my mom, my sisters have come to see my show. My dad hasn't seen me perform uh, live yet, but my sisters have. My nephews and nieces—they're still a little bit too young. Uh, uh-huh. Like I said, I have two nephews, two nieces. Uh, they're still a little bit too young to see my show, but um, uh, I've had some extended family. An aunt, uh, a, a con- very conservative aunt of mine. <laughs> I want to see you perform. I want to see you. I want to see you, your show. I said, "Well, you're always welcome to come, but you're going to pay for a ticket, and I'm not giving you a refund." That's <laughs> right. That's uh, right. <laughs> uh, but no, they're they're you know they're supportive, and if they're not, if they're who I am, is not based upon what they think of me. That's right. I cannot. I you cannot live life based upon what other people think of you. You have to follow your own path. Live your own life. Figure out your own way. I don't have the answers. Um, I have my life experience that I get to share, but you have to figure out your your own your own path. We're individuals, you know. No one can tell you how to live your life. And I'm so glad Lucas has found his path because we have a wonderful uh, soul and, and some beautiful laughs that we get from it. So um, I'm, I'm just you. so happy that you've gotten to this spot. We are at the end of our hour, dear. I've enjoyed you so much today. My guest today has been Lucas Corvada. Please visit his website, lucascorvada, C-O-R-V-A-T-T-A dot com. Lucas, thank you so much for hanging out with me today. Lana, thank you so much. It was a pleasure, a joy. I love your energy. Thank you so much. Thank you. That is all for this week's show. I'll be back next week at the same time. Until then, remember when it comes to your dreams, the words can't and won't should never slow you down. There's always space to change and to grow. Don't be boxed in. Live your very best life. I am your host, Lana Reed, and I'll see you all next week. 